In a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep into a realm of Koigyu casting and Klingons. Okay, people, get your geek on. everyone, it's August 5th, 2012, and you're listening to episode 49 of Knit One Geek 2. I'm Karen. And I'm Maggie. Welcome back. We're coming to you live from the site of the Ravelinic Games in London. Now, keep in mind, everybody, that is Ravelinic, not Rav-Olympic. Yes. Shh. We don't, want get, we don't want to get sued. Again. And we are coming to you live-ish, as in, we are on tape delay for however long it takes me to edit this episode, though it's probably still better than NBC's coverage. (laughs) Ouch! (laughs) Burn! (laughs) Okay, I got nothing to add to that. Damn. (laughs) Anyway. Hi, everybody. Welcome back from that brief commercial break. (laughs) Yes, our our commercial break. Yes. Sorry about Uh, that. Oh, boy. Yes, there was stuff. Uh, Everybody's in, so... And I do apologize, I may sound a little bit nasally, I still have my long weekend cold. Yay. Fun. Yeah, of course. we get a long weekend, and of course I have to get a cold over it, so the hus- yeah. the hus beast actually looks at me first thing in the morning and says, you're not doing anything today except feeding yourself. That's always good. It sort of frustrates me, do I, do I look that bad? Really? <laughs> and I sort of, I got up out of the bed somewhere around, you know, 12 o'clock, and I'm not that bad. I went and played Castleville for a little bit and then started coughing and sneezing and hacking. I'm like, oh, damn it. <laughs> I hate it when he's right. But yes, since with that opening, how about we get right into our, our Ravelinic knitting? Would you like to go first or shall I? I've just got boo to say to that. You hit a DQ? I, uh, alright, alright. Practically? I, yeah, sort of. Didn't make the qualifier? Nope. I could so I could so turn that into a dirty joke, but anyway, <laughs> it's my own fault. I didn't do enough training. Is is what I say. Okay. I didn't do enough training. So this is the sock that I had to match, mm-hmm. and I am the one that knit this sock. Does something look different? Here's a hint. It's black. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Now also, you'll notice that I run out of the yellow mm-hmm. right about there, and it starts to grade into the blue. So I only have that much left. I should have a fair bit more yellow. Yeah, possibly. So I stopped, and I'm like, huh, I'm making the same pattern. Something tells me my gauge is a little different. Oh, yeah, I can see that with the naked eye, man. Yeah. So between the time I knit this sock and the time I knit this one, mm-hmm. um, gauge was all different. Yeah, your gauge looks much, much tighter on the new one. And possibly also needle size. So I sort of looked at it, and of course this is, this is when I'm like, okay, well, I have a cold... I'm in bed all day. I can work on my Ravelinic project. And after I got to a certain point and I held up the two socks, I'm like, that doesn't match. I don't care what planet I'm from. That doesn't match. So the question remains, do I say screw it and I continue to knit? Or do I actually care about it and I frog it because I haven't even gotten to the gusset of this yet? Mm -hmm. And I redo it with an adjusted needle size for gauge. I think the real question is, how much is it going to bug you if you keep going? It's going to bug me. I mean, I understand that I'm not going to be the one wearing these socks, but it's going to bug me. Yeah. Because I'm going to be working on these. The size of this sock, this is a man's knee-high sock. The leg is definitely more than a foot long. So, yeah. 
So I am definitely going to be working on this for a while. If I am knitting all the way up to here, and I'm still thinking about how this is not to gauge matching the other sock, mm -hmm. not to mention that if it's not to gauge, the other sock may end about here. Yeah, it might be a lot shorter. So, you know what? I, I basically bowed my head in defeat and said, this will not happen. Yeah. Not not at this particular junction. Apparently my offering to the Ravelin at Gods was spurned. Yeah. So... Obviously didn't sacrifice enough babies or something. Yeah, uh, apparently I sacrificed the wrong kind of cattle. I told you to go for the Angus, man. They're much more tasty. Uh, I know. So, what I have chosen to do instead... And, you know, I, I tried to compromise and I tried to say, Okay, that was a second sock project. I'll pull out the Lewitt Jen's other purple sock. Mm -hmm. And I'll do the other second sock project for that. I won't count it as, you know, if I finish it, I won't count it because I didn't say, I didn't announce that before the game started. I'm just counting myself out. But I still want to participate just along with everybody else. You're finishing the race when, you know, you, you fell and I yourself. And I, I, I fell. You're going to come I, in last. But. I, had, I had a cramp. I had, you know, a twisted ankle. But I'm hobbling over the finish line. If it kills you. Yeah. So I picked up the Lewitt Gems and I cast on the toe. Yeah. Up the other side. And went into one of my head cold dozes. Mm-hmm. That cat you convinced to come into my house. <laughs> yes. Wound that yarn around the futon. I don't know how it got it through certain places. Oh my god. So I abandoned that project because at this point, dealing with a head cold and the cat, and I sort of promised that I'm not going to kill animals unnecessarily. But I have to, if I kill him, I have to eat him. So. I'm just going to go gangbusters on the knit one, pearl one. I have no idea if I will finish, but my goal is to do as much as possible to just be accountable. That's looking really long. I'm, I'm not sure how tall it is, but I know that I'm five foot, like one and a half or something like that. Okay, and it comes up to about boob level? Yep. I've got about, what, another 13, 15 inches? Yeah, about that. At least another foot. So, with that going, I am going to at least participate in the Olympic knitting fiascos of my life and cheer everybody on. No, go, save yourself, and I'll be with the walker. I am acknowledging, okay, I tried. I actually tried twice, and it just didn't happen. Yeah. I'm sorry, guys. I really am. But it's. I think it's my own fault for not practicing. Yeah, or not, you know, double-checking very early on in the song. At least, I, at least I checked before I started putting in the gusset and heel, because if I had put in the gusset and heel before noticing something was wrong, then... Yeah, that would have sucked. Yeah, I would have thrown this knitting somewhere. My brother would never find these socks. Nope. I, I would have taken Yarn Harlot's advice and buried them under a tree in the park or something. Let's see what you've done! Okay, so, well, as I mentioned on the thread, there was personal stuff going on last week, which means that, like, hit Saturday, and which means that I have generally not been feeling it when it comes to Ravelinic stuff. It's just, it hasn't been, like, like last time it was sort of like, I must work on this every spare minute I have, because I need to finish this in the time. This time it's just sort of like, yeah, I'll work on it. But, for I mean, for that, I do have a fair bit done. Well, quite a bit done. I'm doing the Diadem Shawl, and... Of course, I can't remember the person's name who did it. But um, I'm doing it in Malabrigo Sock in the Impressionist Sky colorway. So, so it's a pretty. nice, pretty blue. A Ravenclaw blue. Yes, it is. So basically, it's sort of a, a crescent shawl. And I finished the body, all five body charts. There were a few times where rows were just like, I, what is you, what are you doing? Why do I not have the right number? I hate this thing forever. Especially like... There's a few rows right at the beginning. I think even until after the second chart, maybe, 
where you do an entire row of knit one yarn over, knit one yarn over, knit one, knit uh-huh. one yarn over. Somehow I would never end up with the right number of stitches at the end. And I wouldn't have missed a stitch or anything like that. I have no clue how it happened. But yeah, somehow it just ended up with wrong number of stitches or whatever. So um, there was fudging, but you can't really tell now at this point. Yay, fudge. And I am on the edging. Woo! Look at now, the go. reason I have not been all like, woo, look at me go, and all this other stuff is because this is a knit-on edging, so you knit it sideways across the bottom, and that's how you get rid of those live stitches at the bottom instead of casting them off. There are 320 or 325 stitches, I can't remember which, when you finish the charts. Right. And you start on the edging. And I did the math the other night, though I think the math was wrong, about how many edgings I would have to do each day to finish it by next Sunday. So this week is going to be try to finish the edging week. It's mega pretty, though. Yeah, it's super pretty, and it's got this pretty, and the easy, and the edging is pretty easy, because you just sort of, like, do the same set of increases four times okay, to make it wider, and then you same set of de- decreases four times to make this little pointy edging. It's just, it's one of those things where my brain has been saying, do not get overconfident with this. <laughs> because sideways, sideways edgings can be one of those things where it feels like you knit and knit and knit and knit and knit, and you don't really do as much. Because you, you basically what you do is to attach the edging to the, the knitting, when you're purling back toward the shawl, you, you knit the last stitch of the edging with the live, the next live stitch on the shawl to sort of attach it. So you basically, you get rid of one bottom, you know, shawl stitch every other row. Okay. So if I do an entire, like it's a 16 row pattern, but you only, that only eats up eight stitches of the shawl. Okay. With each pattern repeat, so. And when you have 325, that's a lot. No kidding! So I'm just trying to remind myself not to, you know, get in over my head. Just keep knitting. Just keep knitting. 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 Just keep knitting. Yeah, I, I was listening to podcasts earlier today and knitting, so. On edging, and I have no idea how many edging bits I actually did, but. That was me too, in the car on the way to my family barbecue. Going, 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 knit one, purl one, knit one, purl one, knit one, purl one. I have no many time, don't know how many times I had to switch hands and, you know, flip it around, but knit one, purl one, knit one, purl one. Just keep going, just keep going. So by the sound of it, any other knitting you did was because your Olympic project had not been going very well. Yeah. So you don't have other knitting this week to talk about? I do not. Because I have a couple other things. Yay for Karen! In my not quite as as jazzed about the Revelant games this year sort of thing, I took some time not working on the project, and I finished my movie socks. Yay for you! Because last night when we got back from from seeing Brave, there was basically just like a couple more rows to make the sock as long as the other one and then do the twisted ri- twisted knit ribbing at the top. So I finished that off the other day and now I have a pair of socks from, let me think of it, see if I can remember. It was, I'm pointing the bits of the socks as I say this, Mirror Mirror, Titanic, Avengers, 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 Snow White and the Huntsman, Avengers, Brave. Going from the toe I think one whole the... sock is Avengers. One whole sock worth. Yeah. Well, yeah, because there's basically, the, the socks were knit, not counting the toes and the heels and the cuffs, because those I mostly did at home. Though I did do some of the, of one of the cuffs in, during the movie. Yeah, there's like, you know, four segments to each, you know, it, it takes two movies to do the foot, two movies to do the leg. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if I, if I took these two of the Avengers four times. Yeah. <laughs> which I did. That's what I need to do with my Storm, um, Blue Moon Fiber Arts, I think. Cause it's just, the colors on it are just so variegated and vibrant, mm-hmm. so multicolored. I don't think very many patterns will work for it. I was actually yeah. sitting there in my bed, my sick bed, surrounded <coughs> by yarn, 
And I felt like a prima donna just sitting there surrounded by stuff going, I have nothing to work with. Because every time I picked up a yarn, all right, I could turn this into a baby sweater. No, wait, it's for a boy and it's the wrong color. Okay, I could y turn this into a shawl. No, wait, I was going to use this yarn for something else. Okay, well, I could do a pair of socks, but all of this colorway is really, really colorful and it won't show any of the patterns that I've got stored right now. So, and of course, I'm thinking with a cold, which yeah, doesn't, help doesn't help me calm down and say, okay, well, you could change your mind about what yarn you use for what color, you numbnuts. Mm-hmm. So and I I took the path easiest traveled, which is the knit one pearl one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no no trying to make decisions while you're sick with a cold. No, is is not a good idea. Yeah. And plus, sometimes with the really variegated yarns, it can just be nice to do plain stock in it. Because yeah. then you really get to see the colors. Yeah. And the colors really take center stage. Speaking of colors taking center stage. Yes. Weekend before last, I went to Toronto. And I spent the weekend there. And I was already thinking, like, um, stash down? What stash down? <laughs> so I went to down. a few yarn stores, and I made a couple purchases. I got this at the Purple Pearl. Oh. And also this. Oh. It's the same type of yarn. This is Turtle Pearl Striped Turtle Toes. So it's dyed to be self-striping, and I got the Twilight colorway. Uh-huh. Which is purple and black, dark purple and black and navy blue. Yes, it is. And actually, there's a little picture there of how it'll stripe up. Oh, cool. And I got another colorway called Miss K's Big Day. Oh, cute. And it's red and pink and black and white. And it's so pretty. They're both so pretty. Yeah, they are. Basically, the pearl had, like, a little bowl with swatches knit in every one of the striping colorways. Right. So I went through and I basically took picked up a swatch and put it in the want pile or the meh pile. So it's like want, want, meh, want, want, meh, meh, want. Until I had two separate piles. And from there I sorted through the want pile until I found the ones that I really wanted. Okay. And picked those up. And I made one more purchase. I also went to Lettuce Knit. And I got some socks that rock. Oh. The tag is stuck inside. I had them wind it to a ball because I thought I might go to the movies, though I didn't end up going. This is the Saving Grace colorway. This is very similar to that. Yes, it's very similar to the Turtle Pearl. It has a bit more of the pink in it. <laughs> yeah, it's gray instead and of pink black. and yeah. red instead of black. And there's not, there isn't really any white in no. it, per se. Mostly pink yeah. and red with a sort of medium gray. But yes, it's very pretty. It is very pretty. And I'll probably start on these soon since I have it wound into a ball. As if you leave things wound into a ball too long, they tend to start... They tend to, The yarn tends to stretch out, which can cause some interesting things when you then wash it later. <laughs> and it goes back to its regular size. Oh dear. Plus, because it's lovely socks that rock, and I love using that for knitting during the movies. The socks I do this one with won't be movie socks, like the last ones were. They won't be like, only knit these at the movies. Uh-huh. Because there aren't that many more movies coming out that I really, really want to see. Yeah. But... I, there's a couple that I cannot wait to see. Like, oh my god, the Born Legacy comes out this weekend. I had this conversation with my family while I was there about, you know, who's seen what. And I'm like, okay, asking, you know, just asking around to my aunts and uncles. Okay, so have you seen any of the Avengers movies? Uh, no. Have you seen... You probably haven't seen Snow White and the Huntsman. Uh, no. Haven't heard of it. Okay. Have you seen Brave? Yes, I saw Brave. I loved it. I thought it was great. Oh boy. It was great. Well, it was, no, it was, it was great, but I'm like, ah, there's so more discussion. I'm like, 
there there are so many movies and they're like no and I'm like what never mind forget it I won't be getting reviews from you anytime so it's okay yes and one more thing uh, I was also doing some dying this weekend yes and I have seen <laughs> yes, I've seen, has the seen the Maggie has seen the still drying ones I actually did quite a bit of dying this last week partly because I finally like got some large jars and made up dye stock basically where you take like a couple t- teaspoons of dye powder and make like two to three cups of dye liquid so that when I go to dye stuff I just pour that into a smaller cup and do any mixing or whatever I was gonna say put it into a water gun and fire it at the cat no oh that's what I do to my cat never mind plus then that would get on stuff <laughs> the dye would get on stuff like carpet and my mother would murder me I already have to change my clothes when I do dyeing, otherwise I get splatters of dye on my clothes. Have I told you what I, I have? Have I told you what I plan to do for my brothers for Christmas? And I can say this here because I know neither of them will listen to the podcast. I may not be with my family at Christmas this year, mm-hmm. may may not, but I know they will be together. I'm sending each of them a marshmallow blaster and a packet of marshmallows, <laughs> so they can terrorize the rest of your family. So, and I will. Let them know that they have identical presents from me and set them side by side. So that when one opens it, the other one's probably going to dive bomb for his. And then I foresee World War Three opening up around the Christmas tree. And that's ho- going to be awesome. I'm hoping that's what happens. And tell someone else they need to get video of this. Yeah. But yeah, so I've been doing some dyeing. And right now I have drying. Well, what is pretty much dry is a yarn, which I believe I shall call his first name is Agent. <laughs> I love it. And of course, inspired by Agent Colson. Yes. And it's kettle, and all these are kettle dyed. So that's like black and sort of a brighter blue and darker sort of grayish blue and lovely wonderfulness. And then I've got some that's drying in a black widow mm. colorway, which is again kettle dyed with, you know, varying shades of red and black and gray. And then just earlier tonight, as Ma- when Maggie was here, I took out of the dye pot, the Hawkeye yarn. Hawkeye looks sexy. Which is, again, is that. shades of purple and black and gray. It looks sexy. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to see how they turn out when they dry, because, of course, the, the color changes a bit. But And I might offer some of these up for sale. Yeah. <laughs> or I might have them for prizey things. Prizey things. <laughs> I know we mentioned having, like, a contesty thing for anniversary. Unfortunately, our anniversary falls also the first week of July, which is craziness. So I was thinking, you know, within the next couple of weeks, we'll okay do something. Maybe we'll announce it next week on, uh, for our fiftieth and fiftieth podcast. podcast. Okay, and we'll it'll be like comment to this one episode anytime in the next three weeks, so that anybody who's sort of catching up will hear it. Yes, yeah, just so you know, we haven't forgotten that. But of course, of course, with our Olympic meeting, we had to get together and watch the Olympics. Yes, the opening ceremonies. We met at. Knit One Geek 2 headquarters at Shez Karen. Yes. Shez Karen with the large HDTV. Yes. <laughs> and uh, the Scottish Oat Cakes, which I was very appreciative of. Yes. Yes, we put on a little bit of a, with some a elements. Tea. I was going to say, some elements of a English tea. We had tea. I made Scottish Oat Cakes. And Empire Cookies. Yes. And there was... And there Michelle was brought wine. Niagara wine. <laughs> Including sparkling wine. Yes. So I had, I was wearing my Bahamian shirt, drinking Canadian wine, and eating Scottish oat cake. So all of my heritage was, was represented, represented somehow, <laughs> some way. But yeah, so we all got walked together and watched the opening ceremonies, which were awesome, which I loved. Yes, they they were very good. I have a couple of geeky things I wish would have happened. Mm-hmm. 
David Tennant and the TARDIS? Well, some, a lot of people said there is one point in the the big piece where they go through sort of like all the music of the 60s and 70s and 80s and like that. And there's lots of dancing and stuff. There is one moment in there where there's a TARDIS whoosh. There is a TARDIS noise. All right. So that's the part where I was off getting my son from daycare. Yeah. Blast! And I just probably didn't even hear it. I only I only heard it later when someone said, oh, my God, you can hear the TARDIS in this bit. And yeah, if you go back, you can hear that. You can hear. Oh uh, no, it's, it should have been mega obvious, TARDIS, in my opinion. Okay, no. Yeah, but they're doing this for an international audience, a lot of whom have no idea what the TARDIS is. Whatever. All right, I've got two conflicting views on this. The director was Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle. Yeah, who did Slumdog Millionaire amongst All other right. things. I've heard it said that he's doing this for the British people. He's not doing this to impress the world. He's doing this. To make the British happy. Well, That's the message of the message of it was this is for everyone. That was sort of his his theme. And I do like that he did bring in the British humor because everybody mm. kept talking about you know the Brits are you know stuck up nose whatevers, and they <laughs> did bring in the British humor. So they had Rowan Atkinson and they had yeah that was mega cool. And oh my god. Was, James Bond and the Queen. Oh yes, my God. and we're all sitting there waiting, going, "Is that actually her, or is that a double?" Oh my God, that's her! Oh my God, Liz, way to go! <laughs> Good evening, Mr. Bond. And that that was like way oh freaking cool. That was awesome. The thing is that what I wish, and this is only my opinion, and perhaps this view has already been explored by said director and decided against. Mm-hmm. Part of the importance of the child's hospital mm-hmm. is because of Barry leaving all of his, the rights of his writing yeah, to it. Yeah, Jan Barry, who wrote Peter Pan. But a lot of people from around the world don't get that association. To me, it just looks like the British have this fixation with kids in hospital beds. And, you know, what I... And I understand, you know, pulling out the British or English or whatever, the the things that go bump in the night, villains and whatever, and mm-hmm. J.K. Rowling, Voldemort, way Oh my cool, god, way the cool. enormous Voldemort attacked yeah. by Mary Poppins. The thing is, I would have liked to have seen Peter Pan and some lost boys come in to tie into that, tie into the hospital, Yeah, and maybe, like, a couple more of the, of heroes from British literature, lore, and fairy tale and whatever, instead of just 35 Mary Poppinses. That's my personal feeling. Eh, I think you could have easily, like, overdone it if you'd gone to too much, if you tried to bring in a lot more stuff. Plus, I have to I have to admit, it was pretty awesome watching that and knowing, like, for a couple days before that, people were, were saying, oh, there's, there's rumor that there's going to be a Voldemort and that he's going to get chased off by Mary Poppins. What the hell is that? And people would be like... Oh my god, this sounds like the lamest thing ever, and then it turns into being completely awesome. Okay, so it's just me. I would have really liked to have seen, like, the Arthurian legends, or something like that also be showcased, but I'm not the director. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, like, if you go back that far, then there's a hell of a lot of history in between that you kind of have to show. Hell of a lot of history? They started out with, you know, peasants, you know, out in the countryside, and then they just skipped to the Industrial Revolution. There's... Well... Peasants in the countryside, though, that's could be like 1820s, 1830s, where the rest of the Industrial Revolution really cranks up in like the 1840s, 1850s. Merlin so. or the Knights of the Round Table could have chased off Cruella de Vil. I'm just saying! Everyone probably would have thought he was Dumbledore, actually. That's the sad thing. Okay, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> Dumbledore would have been way cool. 
Oh my god, Dumbledore would have been awesome. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I would not have anything to say if Dumbledore actually showed up. Seriously. Yes. Mega serious. <laughs> but yes, I love that entire thing. And I still stand by, you know, there should have been an obvious TARDIS with David Tennant. But. Well, at least there were sheep in that first one. <laughs> I was looking Apparently. At, I was looking we couldn't really see couldn't them. them. Well, see, we only saw, we could only get those, those big overhead shots of the entire thing, in which is like, oh, there's a number of whitish blobs moving around in the field. I can't tell if there's sheep or people. Yeah. And then, you know, they showed close up. They didn't really show any close ups of things that. And they probably didn't consider the sheep important. Saw so. sheep. Yeah. Nah. Yeah, they were busy getting shots of the people on the stage and. Yeah. Boo. That sort of thing. But, no, it, it was, it was good. Yeah, it was fun. Oh, the Queen and James Bond. Yeah, the Queen oh and James Bond. We were just howling. We should have had Gollum in there, too. <laughs> well, there were a lot of jokes at the beginning when he had the, the forging of that Forging of ring. the one ring. Yeah. The one ring. My precious. Yes. I saw a lot of tweets about that. Yes. Making yeah. Lord of the Rings jokes. Yeah. Okay, so what do you guys think? Did you absolutely love the opening ceremony? Do you think that one or two things could have been tweaked? Or would you have done it completely different and gone another way for it? Obviously, this is completely subjective. Everybody has ideas of what they like. So just want to hear your ideas. Do you think, what would you do to geek it up? Well, I'm sure we could do a Geek Olympics opening ceremonies. All right. Oh my God. Seriously. Like, see, all I can think of now is like what's on Tumblr. And so it would be all like Avengers, Sherlock, Doctor Who, and Supernatural. All right. There we go. I'm Possibly done. all combined together. You walk into the TARDIS to get to the stadium arena? Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. It would end up being like one of the big Super Avenger Hulock mashups on Tumblr, where people actually take like animated GIFs or still images and put subtitles on them as though they all exist in the same universe and they're actually working together to try and fight some sort of... Fight the evil of Voldemort and Gollum and yeah. anything else. So you have Tony Stark talking to Sherlock Holmes, dealing with Dean and Sam from Avengers and the Doctor. All right, so when does this start filming? Oh, Tumblr. Oh, Tumblr. Yeah. I love you, Tumblr. Yeah. But yeah, speaking of nerdy, geeky things... Yes, let's go to Geek Squee. Yes, in Geek Squee. Of course, the big news, by the time you hear this, you will know the outcome of this. Because tonight, at 1.30 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, on Monday, August 6th, mm -hmm. the Curiosity Mars Rover will be landing. Which, Maggie and I just watched the little trailer for it. Right. Which I have posted, already posted in the Found Something Interesting thread on our Ravelry group, if you want to see it. This stuff is crazy, man. That's, that's a lot of technical, really high-end stuff that has to go absolutely right. Yeah. It has to, there's a whole bunch of steps that have to go right. And it's all self-controlled. Like, it's all programmed into the rover. It has to do it by itself because it takes 14 minutes for the signal from the rover to get to Earth. Yep. The thing is, it only takes seven minutes for the rover to actually go through all the landing phases, from when it enters the top of the atmosphere, Mars' atmosphere, to when it's on the ground. Right. In one piece or in many pieces. So by the That's time, the so by the time NASA receives the message signal that they're at the top of Mars' atmosphere, technically, the rover's already been landed for seven minutes. Yeah. So there's nothing they can do. Yeah. They, they call it the seven minutes of terror. As I said on the group, it'd be the seven minutes of shitting my pants. Yeah. If I was working there, because holy crap. 
But yeah, there's all kinds of stuff that has to happen because, of course, it has to, you know, it has to have a heat shield because Mars has an atmosphere and it'll build up. But then they have to get rid of that heat shield because there's a radar on the bottom that they have to use to find out where they're going to land. And they have to use a parachute, but they can only use the parachute so far because it only doesn't slow them down that much. So then they have to use rockets, but then they have to lower the thing, lower the rover from the sky crane thing that has the rockets because the rockets will send up tons of dust that will possibly damage the rover. And it's like, oh my god, how do you... They're like watching this this trailer. It's like there's a good chance this is not gonna work. But crossing fingers, I will be watching it live online. Apparently, there's oh my god, there's there's gonna be all kinds of live viewing events. There's one in Toronto. I wanted to go so bad, but I would have had to you know spend money on a hotel room and stuff. And because there's no way to get back from Toronto at two in the morning. Yeah. And people in New York, you were saying, yeah, this sounds awesome. They'll be able to watch it live. In Times Times Square. Square. On the enormous screens there, they're going to be showing it. That sounds pretty awesome. Like, oh my god, I would love to be there. Imagine, it'd be like, like nerd convention. Yeah. Well, nerd and drunkard convention, basically. We, we, we need a Times Square closer to us. Something Times Square-y. Well, there's Young Dundas Square in Toronto. No, closer. Because, you know, at two in the morning, you don't want to contemplate driving an hour and a half back home to flop into bed. Yeah. But, oh my god, I want to go so bad. But I'll be here watching it on my computer. They've got the, I've already got the uh, window up with the the NASA Jet Propulsion Laboratory Ustream channel, and I'll just hit the refresh button when it's about time. Because Discovery isn't showing it on TV this time, the bastards. They did with, they did with Phoenix. Well, why aren't they? I don't know. Anyway, but yes, so I will be up late tonight watching that. Well, Karen is all up for supporting space activity and exploration, and here's a way that you can as well. There's a Kickstarter out there. Look at www.fightforspace, all one word, dot com. And this is a documentary film trailer. There's an effort to explore why the U.S. space program halted mm-hmm. and what can be done about it because they there is a drive to revive it. Mm-hmm. And there are many noted people, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Bill Nye, and a couple of the astronauts, and other mm-hmm. people of note in NASA or space aerodynamic, yeah, whatever. They are all supporting this documentary and, and giving information, opinions, and advice. Mm-hmm. And yeah, basically they're, so they, they want support to make this film to, bring attention to the need for a strong space program and for funding for the space program. Robert Picardo. Who was the doctor on Star Trek Voyager? Uh, One of the head guys from SETI. Robert Zubrin. Yeah, it says the group that's making the film has already taken the first step. They made an initial investment out of their own pocket to travel to different locations and interview some of the top experts in space policy, astronomy, that sort of thing. But they need the funding to actually complete the film. So if you get excited about, you get watching Curiosity Land and you're getting all worked up and you're thinking, geez, what can I do to help support exploration out there into the great unknown and make sure that my great, great, great grandchildren can order their pizza from, you know, what used to be a planet called Pluto? A dwarf planet? Yeah. So if going into the great unknown with, maybe without the Enterprise is (laughs) what you want to do, you might want to check out the Kickstarter. Again, it's www.fightforspace.com. 
And at the very least, you should really watch the trailer because it's a really it's a really well put together trailer. I showed it to Karen. It's really before interesting. Before we recorded, and Karen got all you know almost weepy eyed over it. Yeah, I was getting a little because like you know they mention about especially the effect that the Apollo program had yeah. On, yeah. on on sciences like in the sense of like how many people you know they had so many more people who graduated from university at various varying levels with science degrees and about how much, you know, investment into the space program has created, you know, advanced technology that we can use here on Earth for other things. And it, it does, it does sort of, you know, tug at the heartstrings in a very sort of somewhat obvious yeah, emotional yeah. way. But then, you know, that's what trailers do. <laughs> or that's what good trailers do. Yeah. If I'm practically bawling at the trailer for a movie, it's a good sign. Yeah. Even if it's a really stupid movie, especially if it's a really stupid movie. But speaking of inventions and things that people have developed, and robots, yes. and rovers. Yes, and things that make you feel a little warm and fuzzy. Of course, it's been all over the Mary Sue and a few other places, because this is adorable. Um, anyone who's listened to this podcast for a long time might have heard me mention once or two, once or twice that I absolutely love the movie Wally, and that I, I absolutely adore Wally himself. Yep. Wally is her happy place. Yes, the robot is my happy place. Yep. I love Wally. There's a guy in California, and actually there's more than one guy I saw, I saw in this one video, that has made a remote control Wally replica. Completely scratch built, as there are no hobbyist parts available. Well, no duh. Yeah. It says his name is Mike Senna. And you can find it at his blog at senaswally.blogspot.com, S-E-N-N-A-S-W-A-L-L-E dot blogspot.com. And basically, he had built a remote control R2-D2 replica back in 2003, and he got involved with a charity called City of Hope for, it's a pediatric cancer survivor charity, you know, for kids that have survived, right? you know, their bout with cancer. And I think he, they've also shown footage of him, like, visiting kids in hospitals, too, that are being treated. Oh, my God. That would be the most epic. Oh, my God. It's adorable. It is seriously adorable. Anyway, so he built the R2-D2, and he brought it to these to these things. And he knew that the adults would... And even when he brought it to other things, like, you know, comic conventions and stuff like that, he he knew that the adults who really enjoyed Star Wars would really love it. He hadn't expected... He said he hadn't expected how much the kids would love it. And the kids were just fascinated by this thing. And so he decided he wanted to try to do something that would have more range of emotion and be more, like, kid-friendly. Cue Wally. So he did Wally! Oh, my God. Oh, my God. No. And, of course, he said, like, he and this other guy that have done it, and they I think they call themselves the, the Wally Builders Group of America or something like okay. that. There's actually a video, one of the videos on his blog, where they're talking to both of them. And he's got all sorts of project videos and photos on here. Of it. I mean, he said that, like, it had, basically it was harder because R2-D2 other people have done. Or R2-D2, there is, you know, the R2-D2 that was used in the film sitting in Industrial Light and Magic. So it exists as a real thing. Mm -hmm. So people have made measurements of this and everything like that. Wally, he had to kind of freeze frame the video a lot, the DVD <laughs> a lot of times to try and get, because he had to figure out the scale. Yeah, he yeah. had to figure out you know, how big everything should be. And then he had to completely build it from scratch and find sources for all the different materials. You know, some stuff like, I think one of the guys was saying like the, the little cogs in the wheels yeah. had to be built by hand from scratch. I forget oh where they God. said they sourced the tractor part of the wheels were on. He said he found, happened to find these perfect PVC parts for the eyes. 
but yeah, he had to get the pieces. He had to take pieces here and there and like modify them and everything to create this one thing. And he had, then he had to try and do the paint job because he had to try and get it. He did a fantastic exactly right. job. He did an amazing job. It is awesome. It makes noises. I bet it does. And it has a certain range of motion. It can wave. And it says, whoa. And Wally. <laughs> and other little things. And it's the most adorable thing ever. And every time I look at it, I just squeal. Like you are right now. Yeah, kind of. So usually it's more like it noises that levels only dogs, dogs can, can hear. hear. Okay. And there's a, you should really look at his site because there's some adorable pictures, including one at the... Uh, City of Hope Cancer Survivors Picnic, where you see Wally meeting Iron Man. And it looks like Iron Man's holding out a hand to pet him on the head. And Wally's just sort of looking up at him. Huh? It's so cute! That's really It's fairly well tall. It goes up to about, like, waist level. Yeah, um, yeah. Iron Man. It's pretty much, it looks like it's going to be taller than the kid standing next to Iron Man, actually. It's like the size of, like, a six-year-old. It's really well done. And the, the detail in the paint job is amazing. Yeah, he's gotten a lot of the dust and the patina and yeah because it has to have those scratches and the dirt and everything like that to really look like wally yeah that's a pretty good size wally yeah because they've got it now next to directly next to adults in costume yeah but yeah and you really have to check out some of the video of this in action because it is adorable oh i i want him to like fill wally with all of the noises that wally does and then just send him through the malls of america or something like that Oh my god. Yeah, if you search on YouTube, Maker Fair 2012, the Wall E Builders Club, you'll find the video I was mentioning where they t- where there's someone talking to both the creators. And then recently he was featured on onto the Yo Show, Yo as in Y-O, on YouTube. And I'll give you the base link for it. It's omg.yahoo.com slash yo-show. That should get you to the index for that site, because then there's a huge long title of the post that has the Wally one on there. I know someone in one of the comment threads I saw said something about when he knew how he has that little record and play button. Yeah, yeah. Someone says you should make it so that when you press that play button, it says it plays. Put on your Sunday clothes. Yeah, you should. That's adorable. I want one. The way, like, the interaction with the kids is just amazing. Yeah. And it's it's great to see the kids interacting with it because the kids just are mesmerized. Oh, it looks like he built two. That's the other guy who's done. The, oh, he okay, and this okay, one okay. other guy who are the members of the Wally Builders all Club. Right, so all right, each I got you. They're both, they're, you know, each of them are just tiny little bit different. And they have little, like, cardboard versions of other characters. They have a little Mo. That's so cute. <laughs> That's adorable. I need a Mo. 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 Aww. There's little kids waving at Wally, and it's adorable. And my ovaries are exploding. Oh, a Dalek came to Dalek. me, Wally! <laughs> Did they shake hands? Somehow I just imagine the Dalek going, exterminate, and Wally doing that little, what? And running away. Yeah. Ah! Okay, that's super Yeah, there's all cute. sorts of progress pictures and everything on here, too. That's super cute. So you should really check it out, especially if you love Wally or robotics or something like that. That, you know, strolling down a hospital, you know, ch- children's ward. Uh, oh my god, glitter would just explode out of my I head. I know, like, like barfing rainbows at the yeah. thought. It's, yeah. It's just adorable. And going to another Avenger. Oh, yes. We found out who's going to be the villain and who he's going to be played by for the next Thor movie. Yes, Thor 2. The villain is going to be... Malekith the Accursed. Yes. Or Accursed, if you want to... However, some people say it. But Malekith is going to be... Well, Malekith is what you would call a dark elf. D&D players may parallel him with a drow. He is... (laughs) Singular, don't ask me how I know this. Comes from watching that, that cartoon of the Avengers that I told you about. Yeah. Okay, Malekith 
has a face that is half white and half black. That's mm-hmm. how he's distinguished. And he leads... He's one of the most powerful dark elves in... And I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right. Svartalheim, which is one of the nether realms, one of the dark realms. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, implies where the title of the, the film is going. It's also the realm where the dwarves come from. Dwarves? Not necessarily evil. They made many of the wonderful gifts that the gods use, Mm -hmm. like Thor's hammer, for example. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you have to be able to pay them. Yeah. Anyways, Malekith is, you know, everything that you would expect from an an evil elf. He has superhuman thought, superhuman strength, speed. He's able to use magic, so he can do illusions and Mm -hmm. all sorts of other things like this. And in the past, he has hooked up with Loki to cause mischief. Of course. Of course. And, of course... We found out who's playing him. We did, and I think that was very well cast. Yes, he's going to be played by Christopher Eccleston. So you're casting... Who was the ninth Doctor, if yes, I remember correctly. you're casting Doctor Who against an Asgardian thunder god. But no, I think this will be very good. I can't, uh, I can't imagine Christopher Eccleston with long white hair, which is <laughs> how Malekith is usually portrayed, but who knows, they might modernize him, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. It's not like they don't have, you know, experts in doing some crazy makeup and stuff and CGI for, you know, the other movies that we've seen. That's true, but I'm I'm really looking forward to this. And, of course, I know all the fangirls are just going to be like, Yay, we get more Loki! Oh, hells, yeah! Yay, more Tom Hiddleston! I'm serious. If Tom Hiddleston could ask for Neptune to be pulled out of the sky, put on a plate, and brought to him on the backs of tame crocodiles and... Somehow, some way, they're going to have to make it happen. British listeners might have seen Tom Hiddleston was in adaptation of some of Shakespeare's plays that was just on oh. the Hollow Crown series, and oh my god, I want to see it so bad. Down girl. Rawr. Rawr. Does he wear tights? I'm just joking. Um, I have seen pictures. I forget exactly what he wears in it. Doesn't Mainly because ma- I was too busy looking at his pretty, pretty face. It doesn't matter. It's Tom. <sighs> oh, but actually thinking of Shakespeare and nerdiness. I don't think we got a chance to mention this last time. Oh. Uh, just a quick little note. I'm sure most people have heard about Joss Whedon making uh, his own version of Much Ado About Nothing in his backyard over 12 days, yep. basically, right at the end of Avengers filming. Yeah. Starring certain people such as, I believe Alexis Denisoff is in it, who was in, I think he was in Dollhouse and things. Nathan Fillion is in it. <laughs> of course. Clark Gregg. Did he just, like, phone a bunch of people in his, like, contacts and just say, hey, Come over for a few beers. Yeah, that's what it looked like. Yeah. Pretty much. He was, yeah, he, I think he said, he basically, he just wanted to do it. And it was just like, you know, hey guys, how about you do this? You want to do this? Yeah. In my backyard? That's in kind my of, house? That's they, kind used, of, they, they used his house as the set and they used his... That's kind of know. what I envisioned. But anyway, so the film version, it was teased like a long time ago. But it turns out the film is actually going to be showing at the Toronto Film Festival. Way cool. I am going to be stalking the site to see when it's going to be playing. And if there are tickets, and if I can, I would love to go to the opening night. Because um, Joss might be, be there. there. And I think Clark Gregg, who played Coulson in Avengers, tweeted that... Somebody said, mentioned something like, hey, did you see this news? Or something like that. and Or asked him if he was going to be there. And he, I think he said something like he would, might try to be or something like that. I'm sure it depends on like what else he's doing. Do I need to save up bail money for you? Possibly. I would never do anything that would get me arrested. Do I need to have an alibi for you? <laughs> no, dude, trust me. I would just be in the back sort of like, 
squeaking, possibly pass out from the not breathing. So more likely you might need to have phone number there to uh, call my mom just in case. A medical you know, alert, I, a medical alert bracelet. Yeah, medical alert. <laughs> Medic alert bracelet bracelet may stop breathing at any time. Requires Clark Gregg to do CPR on her to revive her. Instead of clasping hands together over the sternum, place hand, clasped hands over a skein of koigu and proceed CPR. <laughs> Use of tongue during rescue breathing. <laughs> Would All definitely right. help. Anyway. Let's move along, move yes, along. Moving along. There's there's so obviously when we don't record for a couple weeks, there's always like tons of news. Oh, did you see that Rush Limbaugh his periodical, whatever it is? I can't I'm sorry, I can't remember what it is. Whoever did the cover to his article stole artwork from guess where? Dungeons and Dragons Monster Manual. I okay. kid I kid you not, because they had and I think it's on the Mary Sue somewhere. Or no, it's on Eye of Nine. They show his periodical, and it's him fighting this beast that has the Obama symbol in the eyes and everything like that. Whatever, whatever, politics, I'm not commenting on that. Yeah. I think it'd be pretty obvious to people who listen how we feel anyway. And right next to it is the original artwork from the Monster Manual, and you're going, they they didn't change anything but the eyes, and they stuck Rush's face on the guy who's defending himself. Oh my god. And I'm like, look, there are teenagers in high school that need, you know, stuff to do in the evenings. You could have asked them to do a better job than this. Yeah. And the the article, you know, showed it to the original artist mm-hmm. who did it. And the artist says, that is a piece of art that I was never originally even happy with. They've just gone ahead and made it even worse. I think Wizards of the Coast legal team might want to answer this. <laughs> Go Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, no kidding. Speaking of monsters, another little note I saw on the Mary Sue, and this one's just like, seriously, buddy, are you kidding me? There's apparently, there's rumors that billionaire Clive Palmer, who is also, uh, apparently has plans on building a functional replica of the Titanic. There. He has apparently been in deep discussion with the people who successfully cloned Dolly the Sheep, to try and bring dinosaurs to life. But we know how this ends! <laughs> it's like, have you seen Jurassic Park? We've man? all known how this ends. There's a reason they don't live alongside us, like the Flintstones. Yeah, it says, rumor has it that he's going to try and clone a dinosaur from DNA so he can set it free in his new Palmer Resort in Coolum, Australia. Oh. Now, of course, another, according to the Brisbane Times, another source close to him said that the rumors were absolutely ridiculous. I hope so. Though, like we said, this is the same guy who plans to build a functional replica of the Titanic. Though that would probably be easier that would, and cheaper yeah, that than would trying to clone a dinosaur. Be easier, cheaper, but I hope he doesn't plan on sailing it. Yeah, you're kind of asking for something right there. Yeah. Like, who are you going to get to captain that? Yeah. Like, job, job application. Captain and crew of Titanic must be willing to go down with the ship. Um, no. No. Not to mention that depending on how... That kind of makes me think, like, okay, how would one build a replica of the Titanic and yet still keep it up to current code? Ooh, good point. Because how much of a replica can it be when you have to make certain changes? Yeah. You know, the rivet counters among us would never, you know, be satisfied with it. There are too many lifeboats! (laughs) Obviously, well, too many lifeboats in the sense you probably shouldn't just build... You probably should just not build it instead of, you know, build it and then... Obviously, you have to put on all the lifeboats that it needs. Because okay. that would be pretty stupid if you didn't. Okay, moving on to stuff that we are really happy about. Yes. And into cravings, covets, and crushes. Go ahead, Karen. Have oh a look my at God. that. I'm making flaily hands here, people. Yes, she is, because I just handed her my iPad 
Yeah. So you guys may have heard of a company called Hot Toys that does really high quality um, figures for different movies. They have ones. Have you seen the ones for the other vendors? Yes, I have. Oh my god, they are really good. Oh my god, they they somehow managed to get. They do a really really good job of like getting the faces right. Yeah, they do. They've done ones for the Loki one is creepy. Yep, like it looks like Tom Hiddleston in miniature plastic form. Oh my god, Jim Gordon from Dark Knight. That looks like Gary Oldman. Like, does that not look like Gary Oldman? The detail is just amazing. Yeah, the detail is astounding. And of course, you know, well, they're <laughs> the figures are like two hundred bucks, so I would hope they'd be very. You know, yeah, highly detailed. Yeah. You know, they've got Captain America. And, of course, they've been doing some for Avengers. Now, for the past, of course, since Avengers came out, there has been an online petition to get a figure of Agent Phil Coulson. And There's last been a week, teaser out. they released a teaser. <laughs> Basically, it is the figure standing on the page of the Art of the Avengers for Agent Coulson. But the shoulders and the head are not visible. He is, however, holding a big fucking gun. Which is probably the one that he shot into, uh... Yeah, used to shoot Loki. Yeah. And there's tiny little Captain America cards scattered at his feet. And, uh, looks like a shield... Yeah, uh, file folder. File folder there. So, yes, they have released this teaser in which they are coming out with a Coulson figure. I want it so bad! Karen is happy. But it is 200 bucks. (laughs) And I've actually seen, I think Clark Gregg tweeted the other, it was him that tweeted the other week, an actual picture of the head of the figure, but it hadn't been colored. Okay. So it was just sort of this beigey color, and it was kind of hard to fig- to make out some of the, a lot of the details, but oh my god, it looked like him. I want it so bad. Maybe if you a good girl, and you write Santa Claus, and... Look at Black Widow! Yeah. Holy crap! He, like, they've even got some of the shrapnel and... Battle damage. Yeah. Posable, and it looks like you're able to interchange hands and things like that. Mm-hmm. Let's look at Loki. Loki is amazing. Oh, yeah, baby. Does that not look amazing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hi. Hi. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. Hi. Panties off. Yep. Explode. I never thought I would consider a doll sexy. I got no other word for it, but yikes. It is only about a foot tall. Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> Not life-size. When I think of a snappy comeback, I'll let you know. <laughs> you can take off the helmet. God. Oh, yeah. Can you just see him doing that to you? Oh, yes. Right there. Oh, my God. It's even got the pores. Yep, it's got pores. Holy crap. Pores. It's got eyelashes. And those blue, blue eyes. Oh, my God. Stare right into your soul. Once. And set your panties on fire. Once. And in the not-as-expensive, there is some yarn I have been drooling over for a while. And I haven't bought yet because I'm supposed to be not buying that much yarn. Though I'm very tempted. There's a dyer on Etsy called Saint Serafina Knits. S-T-S-E-R-A-P-H-I-N-A-K-N-I-T-S. And she's from... Her name, her actual, her real name is Christine Franklin. And she's from Minnesota in the U.S. And she has some gorgeous yarn and fiber. She's even got some handwoven stuff that she's posted. Look at that gorgeous spinning fiber colors. Mostly she's got spinning fiber and then she has lace weight yarn, as well as, like I said, her own handwoven stuff. The stuff that I have been drooling over so much. Oh my god. Of course, it's a dark teal. Yes, is her splendid merino lace weight in the Jade Sea colorway. Mm-hmm. It's a dark teal and it's pretty. 1,025 yards. That would which would be a, quite a bit. A lace shawl. That's quite mm-hmm. a lot. And, yeah, 3.5 ounces, two-ply merino lace weight. She dyes them two skeins at a time. 
And it looks like she has free shipping to the US. Everywhere else, not so much, but not surprising. But yeah, she's got some gorgeous stuff. I basically had that page with the, the Jade Sea yarn up in a tab for God knows how long. And I just keep looking back at it and being like, <laughs> <laughs> what? It is calling to me. I've got one, cu- I've got something cute to show you. Oh. oh, and just before I go, I okay. should just mention that she's got a, a shipping notice up that July 29th through August 12th, she'll be shipping on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays only. So it might be a couple days before your item actually ships out in the summer. But yeah, so that's St. Seraphina Knits. Okay. Dot Etsy dot com. Okay. Now, if you were wishing that you could be at the Olympics, but perhaps you don't have wings on your feet, mm-hmm. there's a way you can. Ooh. Have wings on your feet, that is. Okay. Oh my god. Is that not cute? That's adorable. Okay, these are schwings. <laughs> yes, go ahead. Make a Garth reference, whatever. Schwing. S-H-W-I-N-G-S. I found these at Fashionably Geek. And basically what they are, are little fabric wings with uh, appropriate holes that you would lace them straight onto your shoes. Yeah, basically you put the laces through these holes on the wings and so they go on one on either side of each depends the, on how, how many one wings on the you outside, buy yeah i guess it depends on how many you could have wings on each foot but the way they have them modeled is there's one on the outside of the left foot and the outside yeah. of the right foot and if you don't understand why i snorted when when you said that then go watch wayne's world oh my god but they're they're super cool looking yeah they do look really awesome on i would totally wear them on sneakers and that sort of thing especially with something classic like converse yeah, yeah, they've got them on con- black and white, con- pink ones on black and white Converse on this. And it looks so. like they have quite a few designs. Where did you find those again? Fashionably, Fashionably Geek? Geek. Yeah, so I'm sure that'll have the link to where you can find them. I love how you do Google image search for them and chicken wings come up. Yeah, well. So you could have like Captain America style wings, except on your feet. Yep, or you could be the Greek god Hermes. Mm-hmm. I know, that's probably more what they're thinking. But yeah, well, you know what. My nerd mind goes more to... Avengers. So, anyways. We should wrap up so everyone can get back to their Revolympic knitting. Go rest of the team that hasn't fallen over on themselves yet. And crossing fingers that when you hear this, Curiosity will have safely landed. Yes. Here's hoping. I will be up at 1.30am watching this. <laughs> and crying whatever the outcome, I'm sure. Okay. Okay. Alright, bye. Anyway, bye, guys. Week, guys. Thanks for listening. To visit our show notes, listen to old episodes, or leave something in our tip jar, you can visit us at knit1geek2.emptypockets.org. That's K-N-I-T-1 G-E-E-K 2 dot M-T dash P-O-C-K-E-T-S dot O-R-G. You can also comment at our Ravelry group. Just search the Ravelry groups for Knit One Geek 2. We're also on Twitter. You can find us at www.twitter.com slash knit one geek 2. Have a good week, everybody. Whee! Yeah, well, that's for cravings, coats, and crushes. Yes. Oh my god. Start a Kickstarter. Buy, buy me the Phil Coulson doll. Holy shit. <laughs> the things are like 200 bucks, man. Oh. Anyway. Um, Would you sleep with him? Would you tuck it into bed with you? For that ex- that ex- We can discuss this later. Okay. Actually, we, we can actually discuss this on the air. <laughs> not the bed that I'm going to have to take out.